0: talk? Oh, yeah, cool. (laughs) Um, Alrighty. So I'm going to continue uh, the same theme I started two weeks ago, and I'm hoping in two weeks from today and another two weeks after that to then conclude it. Um, And so last time we began talking about unity, and I said that my goal for talking about unity was uh, that CLF we, who are little in size, but have control over what we do with CLF, grows as one. And when trials test us, that our bond remains strong, and that we remain one. So you're going to get to know Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to verse 16 quite well. Now, that picture there, I'll come back to that, but let's... um, we're going to read this every single time, so you're going to know it well in that sense too. So, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 16 says, Therefore, the prison, I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit, In the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. Now when it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness in their deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, We must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, for whom the whole body, joined and knitted together by every ligament with which it is equipped, and each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. Now there is a lot there, and that's why I've had to split this up into uh, a few sermons. But let's recap last time. So two weeks ago, we saw that the idea of unity was oneness, and we are grafted together by God himself, and he does this in various ways. And this is why I have that picture, because I love how we all looked grafted together. We saw that we are joint in Christ as he is our Lord through his life and death, We have hope to be reunited with God. We saw in John 17, Jesus' vision for his followers was to be one, like he is one with God, that close, intimate relationship. We see that Paul was envisioning a new society through Christ being developed. We see that Paul was envisioning a church that not only didn't really focus on structure, but he focuses on the morality of believers to be the prevalent focus of the church rather than its structure. And therefore, he gives us certain qualities to be practiced, humility, patience, meekness, and love, which all contribute to our unity. And now we pick up the story from there. So we're going to look today at verses 3 to 6. So, Verse 3 making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in all. So when I think about unity, I think about A lot of different things, because it's a very broad word. One of the things I think about is my marriage. So I think about what unifies me and Natalie. I believe it's love for one another, or so I hope. But then I think of other things. We have a lot in common. Uh, We have a lot of the same values which unites us. And when we're tackled with difficult issues, we can face them because of strong values that we have together. But we're also united by marriage itself. And despite any of our differences, we are still brought together by the act of marriage. Also, when I think about unity, I think about my work, which also tries to unite all its employees. Now, I work for a large organisation with a lot of different departments and a lot of employees, and we're talking thousands. Now, Obviously, there needs to be some harmony amongst all of the employees. So what the organisation did was it creates a set of values. And I'm sure that's not unique to um, just my organisation, but to all the other ones that you might be a part of. Because the idea of everyone upholding the same values or being clinged or clung to them means it's going to be a peaceful environment. Or at least that's the goal. Because in a peaceful environment at work, it promotes productivity. And then I think about our government when I think about unity, which tries to show a unified body sometimes, or most of the times. But we know in politics that unity doesn't really exist. But I'm not going to go into that any further. And then I finally look at the church as a whole, not just us, CLF. What unites us and draws us together as a Catholic church, a universal church, not not Catholic religion, but as a universal church. And then what unites us as CLF? A little church in a massive body. For some, that's easy to answer. Some will give you some standard answers. Oh, it's belief in Jesus and it's the hope we have through His life and resurrection. And that is absolutely correct. But how does this work? What what would you genuinely say if a church as a whole is unified by? And I think it depends who you you ask. But I believe that the church is unified and you'll see later why I believe this. But the question is, does the church as a whole and CLF practice unity so that those who witness Christian unity witness Christ? Last time we looked at the idea of oneness as it is God who creates this oneness amongst those who believe in him. I see it as us being grafted together. Now we are going to explore this oneness in more depth. Not for general knowledge, but for us to actually understand the depth of the bond that brings us together. We're going to re-look at the idea of peace that we completely just touched on last time and look at how integral this is to unity. So we're given here in verses 4 and 5. It's the idea of the Trinity. Now, I'm not here to talk specifically about the whole concept of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, That in itself is a massive task. But I I more want to talk about how it relates to the idea of unity. Because Paul specifically refers to it here. Paul writes that there is one Spirit, one Lord, referring to Christ, and one God, the Father. And in the remaining details from these verses are the Christian experience of Trinity. There is one body because there is only one Spirit, in verse 4. One body being the Church. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For in the one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. Therefore, it's the Holy Spirit that integrates us into one body. But it's also something that's ingested in us as well, as can be seen here, we're made to drink of the one Spirit. So here's a main ingredient that brings us together. And then secondly, there is one hope belonging to our calling, one faith, one baptism, because there is one Lord or one Jesus. So Jesus is the object of our faith, our hope, and our baptism. It is Jesus whom we have believed first, and then we were baptized into him, and therefore we have an expectant hope. And there is one Christian family. So in verse 6, we see that there is one God, the Father, who is above all and through all in all. One God above everything and present everywhere. God the Father has created our community into a family, into a household of his redeemed children. We are called back to this family where our Father has forgiven us. And there are lots of stories of, in the word, where we are called back. So God too has a vision for his people. But do we practice it? So we have one Father who creates one family, one Lord Jesus who creates the one faith, the one hope, and the one baptism, and then the Spirit who creates the one body, joins it together, and makes our bodies the church, the temple of its dwelling. To me, the Trinity and how they are connected is indestructible. Therefore, it being masterfully crafted into the body of Christ or the, uh, the body of the church makes the body indestructible itself. It's no more possible to split the trinity than it is to split the body. I know you're probably thinking, what? Well, at least I did when I came across this. Surely, surely, t you're not blind to see that the church is not unified. There are different denominations in the evangelical community, different Christian religions. Surely we're not united, aren't we? depends how you look at it. I think simply if we're saying no then maybe we, ha- we haven't had a good grasp on unity and maybe we haven't practiced unity as designed by God. Paul recognizes that this unity is possible and therefore he gives us an exhortation to us and this is in verse 3 and it's to maintain the bonds of peace. But if the body is indestructible due to God himself creating it, putting it together, then why do we need to maintain it? Well, we proclaim a body of Christ and we proclaim that all, that we are sons and daughters of the living God, should not our church life reflect this through our togetherness, our oneness, and our unifiedness? I know that's not a word. Should we not demonstrate unity that we say is indestructible in our church life? I think of an engineer who puts together a building and they're confident in what they put together. They would have considered the foundation, exposure to weather, natural disaster, even the possibility of human destruction. However, however, over time, if the building is not maintained, continued exposure slowly chips away at the structure of the integrity of it. And it's weakened and can crumble. Now the body of Christ will always remain intact. But if it's not maintained, we will see a hurting body. I also picture us, the church as a whole. So I look at it as like a family. Yeah. That's a little family, because if I did a big genealogy, it wouldn't fit. But I picture a family where there is a mum and a dad, a daughter and a son, and they are all one family. There's no doubt that they are a family because they are connected either by marriage, or they are connected by marriage, and they're connected by genetics and birth to the children. So we see a few connections there. But in the course of time, this family starts to disintegrate. The children start to argue and become estranged. The parents also argue and eventually get a divorce. The son goes to live in another country to the rest of the family and has little contact with anyone. No one meets together anymore and have no contact via phone. It would be hard to imagine a more disastrous falling out for a family Now in God's sight despite all this happening with the family this is still a family because of the connections of genetics and marriage. And nothing will ever change that as long as they're alive. But how would we look at this situation? We would say that this family although connected doesn't act like a family. And how would we try to get this family back together would it just be telling them well your brothers and sisters you're connected by this probably wouldn't work would we appeal to them based on that I don't think so but what we would look for is peaceful resolutions just like this family the church collectively will always be united by Christ and connected by that connected by the Spirit, however the structure may look, but the church will always be connected by Christ. But will it always display peacefulness and unity publicly? Will CLF always display peaceful unity publicly? Because we're not immune to issues. And we know that. I know that. We know that. But it's how we tackle that is going to be, I suppose, uh, the the, the prolific thing for me. And here we have Paul talking about peace. And before he gets to peace, in my last sermon I focused on a few morals. We looked at meekness, humility, uh, patience, and love contributing to this. And in verse 3, Paul states... Make every effort to maintain the unity in the bond of peace. Although we belong to an indestructible body, we are still told to maintain our unity. Paul's way of doing so is through peace. Making every effort here is linked to the word eagerness. And the Greek word being, I'm going to get someone else to say this, try and say this, because I really failed last time. Can anyone give me that Greek It's probably better than what I could have done, Michael. (laughs) Sputazontes. So this verb that is used here for eagerness is, it's actually talking about being emphatic about it. It means that we are to spend no effort to maintain peace. A call for diligent striving to maintain it. The mood of this word is not passive, but it, and it's not a wait-and-see attitude towards peace. However, it is for our initiative to be peace. Now, there is room for differences amongst conviction of believers, but we should be eager to maintain an outward expression and inward inf- expression of peace, to remain unified. So that what we proclaim is, Is seen and not just head knowledge. Our unity arises from one Father, one Saviour, and one Spirit. We are given the tools to maintain unity. But like everything that we are given, we're always given the choice as well. And so we need to make a choice individually and collectively. How are we going to do this? So we see today that what joins us is one God, one Jesus, and one Spirit. And together they are indestructible. They themselves form a community. And they put themselves in our body, the church. And through faith, and through baptism, and through our hope, we connect with the Trinity. We connect with each one of them. Let us as CLF live out this unity through the bonds of peace. I hope more than anything that whatever we do in the future, whatever difficult decisions we are faced with, whatever's going to test us as a little community here, that we remember these words. Because my goal in this whole series is that CLF, who has control of CLF or has a choice to do things as CLF, continues to grow as one. and when trials test us that our bond remains strong and that we remain one. May the Lord bless his word. Let's just pray before the band comes up. Almighty God. We come before you, Father, as a community of believers who declare the one truth, that is one God, one Jesus, and one Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, that we are connected by you. We thank you, Father, that you give us an indestructible structure, but one where you are alive in it. And we thank you for that, Father. We thank you for the hope that we have because of the grace that Jesus has given us. I pray, Lord God, for this church that whatever trials we face in the future, that above all, we face them peacefully and together and that we remain one. Thank you for your love, God, and for all that you offer us. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.